your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 5. Here's those Christmas invitations. I knew I brought one with me up here. And so those are in the back. Gospel message on the back as well as the uh, regular service times and then the Christmas cantata information on the front. Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles tonight. We're going to begin a three-week, inside of Ephesians, we're going to begin a three-week series on the home. And so uh, tonight, guys, it's your turn. Next week, ladies, it'll be your turn. And so uh, um, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, I hope we don't have a repeat of this, but uh, I, I did a similar series in a, an adult Sunday school class some time back, and I split it up this way as well, where I did the men on one week and the women on the other. And I announced for weeks I was going to be doing this, and I, I usually average about 35 to 40 in my class. The week we did the men, uh, I think we had over 50 in class that week. Boy, they packed that class out. The next week when it was a ladies' turn, we had like six show up. And so it was like the ladies were dragging their husbands there. You need to hear this. But then when it was their turn, they didn't want to come. Uh, so ladies, make sure you, you know where to be next week. Amen. Ephesians 5, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll just look at a few verses tonight, beginning in verse 22. We'll begin reading in verse 22. The Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it shall should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church, for we are members of his body, uh, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Dear Lord, I thank you tonight for an opportunity to open your word and look at it. Lord, um, you have given us some very profound thoughts in this this, uh, passage. Uh, Lord, uh, every couple I have ever known that has come under and done their best to follow this pattern for marriage, that Lord has been happily and blissfully married. Lord, I know many couples that have tried to do it a different way, and almost every time they've been miserable. So Lord, I pray tonight that we would set aside what culture tries to tell us about love and marriage, and Lord, may we uh, look at your word, and may we look at uh, what you have written, and Lord, you created marriage, and so you have authored and defined how we're to live it. Lord, may it stick in our hearts, and Lord, may it help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The title of the message this evening is The Husband's Role in a Joyous Marriage. Now, let me say this up front. Uh, there are some of you here tonight that are not married, and if you're not married and you think at some point you may get married... Uh, let me just say that, uh, especially for the ladies, that the attributes I'm going to go over in a man tonight, you need to be looking for those in a man. Uh, and so uh, pay, close, pay close attention to that. 
Let me also say up front is that um, um, if I get into the sermon and ladies, you're sitting there going, man, I sure hope he's listening. Um, come back next week. Because the key to a happy marriage is not knowing your spouse's faults. It's knowing your faults. And so, uh, no elbows. No elbows. Don't be elbowing your husband. Uh, husbands, next week, you're not allowed to elbow your wife or glare at them. Amen? Uh, but uh, let's, let's make sure we take a, a positive approach at this and a mature approach at this. And let's make sure that we're looking at what we can do to have a joyous marriage. Uh, for those of you here tonight that uh, aren't married and you don't see yourself ever being married, let me just say this to you. You may feel like that it was a waste of time to be here tonight. Let me just ensure you that it's not. Um, you will, no doubt, at some point have a chance to influence either uh, a loved one of yours' marriage uh, or you'll have a chance to influence someone who's an up-and-coming in this church in their marriage. And so you need to know what the Bible says about marriage the right way. And so listen closely and set aside preconceived ideas and let's, let's learn uh, what God has to say. They're on your outline. Did I bring it up here with me? I got it here. They're on your outline on the back of the bulletin there. If I can hold on to it. Um, I have a quote on there. It's at the very bottom. It says this, everything rises and falls. On leadership. Now, I don't know who to give that uh, tribute to, but uh, it, in the independent Baptist circles, it's been Lee Robertson. I don't know if he was the one that came up with that or not, but we'll, we'll assume he was. Uh, let me just say this about that quote. Um, men, that needs to be your attitude toward marriage. Everything rises and falls on you. Whether or not your marriage is happy... That's, that's, that's left entirely up to you because God has made you the leader of your home. And you say, well, pastor, I can't lead someone who won't follow me. And to that, I would say, get better at learning to lead. Get better at learning to lead. We can all learn to do better. And next week, we'll look at fellowship. There's another quote out there that says, everything rises and falls on fellowship. And I would tell you this tonight, that depending on which one of those applies to you, you need to embrace the quote. If you're, if you're the husband, you need to embrace the quote on leadership. And you need, to, you need to believe with all your heart that the success of your marriage is up to you. If you're here tonight and you're the wife, then you need to believe with all your heart that the success of the marriage is up to you. And you need to give it everything you got. And if both the husband and the wife will commit to that, then you are in for a joyous and happy and content ride. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I, I can remember back to a day when we had a president that would stick, uh, he, he stuck, uh, I'm blanking on the president's name, but he put a, uh, a plaque on his wall, or rather something on his desk that said, the buck stops here, and no, Ernie, he wasn't a hunter. Amen? Uh, what he meant by the buck stops here isn't uh, that uh, he uh, had, had a, a venison steak on his desk. What that meant was that it's my fault if something doesn't go right. And oh, for leaders who would just say, you know what? We can, we can point down the, the road. We can blame someone else. We can find fault elsewhere. But I am the leader. And so if this isn't good, then it's on me. What a mature attitude to have. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19 says this. It says, husbands, love your wives 
and be not bitter against them. Love your wives and be not bitter against them. God, listen closely to this, God has made uh, you as a man to be very, very different than your wife. How many of you figured that out by now? In all these years of marriage, there, you, you two are, uh, uh, what do they say, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. It can feel that way sometimes, can't it? Uh, we are so different than each other. And uh, just a couple of humorous points on that. Uh, men love to logic and give their reasons and women want to share their emotions. And they don't want your logic. They just want you to listen to them. Uh, uh, men, uh, women use their words to both convey emotion and they use their words to gather emotional data. Men use their words to, one, brag on themselves and two, change their environment. You're sitting in the chair and the temperature isn't just right. You say to one of your children, hey, can you turn the temperature down two degrees? What are you trying to do? You're trying to fix your environment. You're thirsty. You say to another child, can you please bring me a glass of water? What are you doing? You're trying to change your environment. Women don't use words that way. Women will, how do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about that. What's that matter how I feel? It doesn't really matter how I feel. The facts are the facts. But uh, God has made us different because He wants the two of us to complete each other. But sometimes those differences uh, can cause frustration and frustration can uh, cause anger and anger can bring about bitterness and you will find husbands and wives who by character are still married but they just don't really like each other anymore. And I'm not just talking about couples in their 20s and 30s. I'm talking about couples who've been married 20 and 30 and 40 years. Let me just say tonight that all of us can take our marriage up several notches. Let's get into the outlines. We've got a lot to cover here tonight. Number one, notice this. He is to be the leader, the leader of his wife. The leader of his wife. Look at me at verse 22. The Bible says there, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So, God lays out here and He says that the husband is to be the leader and the wife is to be the follower. She is to submit and come under uh, the, the husband. Uh, last night in our family devotions at our home, we read through Genesis chapter 3. And part of what uh, God told Eve was her punishment for eating the fruit was that her desire would be toward her husband. There would be a desire to follow a strong man who would stand up and lead her. Now, uh, sir, before you stand up and say, Yeah, pastor, preach verse 22. Wives, submit! Listen, first, you've got to learn how to lead in a way that is worthy of them submitting to you. And, sir, uh, leadership is not an easy task. Let me, let's get into the sub-points here. We're going to look at exactly what it is God's called you to do as a leader. And I want you men here to ask yourselves this tonight. Am I doing these things to be a good spiritual leader of my wife? Notice letter A. He is to set the precedent. He is to set the precedent. Now, um, uh, men, uh, uh, being the leader doesn't mean sitting in your lazy boy barking orders. Rather, it is leading the way and being an example. When it comes to leadership, 
Uh, I've done a lot of reading on leadership coming into the pastorate position here at this church. Uh, before I, uh, before I, uh, after I'd been voted in, but before we had arrived, I was just drinking down every every book I could get my hands on on leadership. And the, the pace has slowed a little because of the busyness of the schedule. But a lot of what I read about leadership said this: the weakest form of leadership is uh, that by your position. If you've got to tell your wife. I'm in charge. You're not in charge. You're not in charge. Uh, that is the weakest form of leadership. By the way, uh, a military leader can lead that way. And he doesn't have to be a good leader. He can just bark out orders and everyone under has to come in, come in rank and file. They don't have a choice. But God has not called you to be a military leader at home. He's called you to lovingly lead your wife and your family. He is to set the precedent. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves uh, uh, unto your own husbands. Notice this, men. Notice where the bar set. As unto the Lord. God has commanded, sir, your wife to submit to you the same way she submits to God. Look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Again, God is paralleling you to him, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. A good church, a godly church, is a church where they are in total subjection and submission to the Lord. And God has commanded the wives to submit to you, sir, the same way, uh, that, uh, that they are to submit to God. Now, let me say this. It is easy to submit to God because God is perfect. He makes no mistakes. It's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging. Uh, when your wife looks at you, she's to get the idea that you are representing Christ in your home. When you blow up and lose your temper, you're not representing Christ. Uh, when you're watching filth on the TV, you're not representing Christ. When you're uh, running around with your buddies and doing things that are sinful, you're not pleasing Christ. Uh, when you're uh, using loose language and taking God's name in vain, you are not well representing Christ and you're making it that much more difficult for your wife to be submissive to you. Let her be. He is to speak words of praise. He is to speak words of praise. Uh, we're going to stay in Ephesians 5, but let's look at some other passages as well. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 31 and look at verse 28. We're going to look at two verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 31 and verse 28. The Bible says this, Her children, speaking of the virtuous woman, her children arise up and call her blessed. Notice this, Her husband also... And he praiseth her. He praiseth her. Turn back a couple of pages to chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11. A common verse here you may hear quoted. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Listen, uh, uh, Proverbs 31 describes the virtuous woman. And you might be here tonight... Uh, I, I, all the men here that I know of that are married, I, I, I believe you have a good marriage. That doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement, but uh, I, you never know what goes on in the secret of one's home. And so just allow me to preach with liberty here tonight. Uh, there might be someone here tonight and they would say, uh, my wife, uh, she's not a virtuous woman, so I can't praise her. And to that I would say, sir, if you want your wife to be a virtuous woman, then you need to start treating her as though she is a virtuous woman. 
You hold the standard high by treating her like a queen. And then in time, uh, hopefully uh, and prayerfully, she'll come around and she'll be the wife uh, that you're treating her uh, like, like uh, you want her to be. And so you are to speak words of love and you are to praise her. Uh, listen, it's easy to find fault in each other. It's easy to nitpick at each other. It's easy to be negative toward each other. But what we need to do is we need to find ways to praise our spouse. Listen, if your wife cooks you a good meal, and you know if, if four things on the plate taste good, and maybe the bread got a little burned, just eat the bread and praise the rest of the food. Amen? Ladies? Amen. If... Um, you know, if you're in, if, if you happen to be in the car and she happens to be driving, oh boy, pastor, you had to go there, didn't you? Listen, if you arrive safely, praise her, praise her. Find find ways to say positive things to her, and listen, we all can critique. We all can critique. Uh, let me just say this. I, I heard a seasoned uh, man who'd been married for many, many years. He said this, and, and I'm working hard to get to this place in my marriage. He said this. He said, I gave up trying to critique and change my wife a long time ago because I found it to be more counterproductive than productive. I just accepted her for who she was. Just accepted her for who she was. Griping and complaining about what she did doesn't matter. Just let it be. Let it be. So speak words of praise. Let her see. He is to symbolize predictability. Symbolize. Stay there in uh, where you're at in Proverbs. Flip over just a few pages to Psalm. Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12 and verse 1. We find a very sad indictment uh, spoken by the psalmist about faithful men. It says there, Help, Lord. Psalm 12.1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. What was he saying? Men are not faithful. They're just not faithful. We look around our country, and, and, uh, and honestly, uh, you, you really can't even take the divorce rate numbers seriously anymore because most people don't really even get married. What happened? A couple of generations ago, uh, marriages uh, were held together by a commitment, but they had given up on love. And you have the husband sleeping on one end of the house and the wife sleeping on the other end of the house. And listen, I understand there are times when you get older where that might be necessary. You still love each other. That's necessary, but husbands and wives couldn't stand each other. They're staying on opposite sides of the house. They're not communicating each other. They're just staying married for social status. The next generation comes behind them and they're quicker to get a divorce. And then the next generation comes behind them and they say, what's the use of getting a divorce? It cost my parents all this money to get divorced. And so uh, I can avoid avoid the, uh, the divorce lawyer and I can avoid the separation of funds at the end of a marriage. And so we'll just live together. And then if things don't work out, we'll separate. But if we've lived together for many years, then we'll go ahead and tie the knot. And my friends, uh, that is not being a faithful man. Let me just say about marriage with being faithful is that God calls us men to be faithful. And that isn't just 
uh, uh, that isn't just faithful to your vows. And I, I can stop and talk about that for a moment. Uh, it ought to be said when you die and your, your wife is there and grieving over your, your body that you were faithful to her and you, you kept your vows. But how about faithful beyond that? That rock of stability. Your wife knows about what time you're going to get up every morning. Your wife knows about what time you're going to go to bed. Your wife knows about what your diet is. Your wife knows about uh, how you carry yourself. Your wife knows about your temperament. And your wife knows your schedule when it comes to church. And she knows what to expect because you're predictable. Amen. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Uh, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Faithful. Being faithful, being consistent. And we're talking about leading your wife. Uh, a woman's emotions, and, and ladies, let me just say this, uh, the, the left liberal socialist um, uh, women liber uh, uh, would cringe at what I'm about to say. But you have to understand that God made it very clear in the book of Genesis that he created the wife to be the emotional balance to the logical man. That's how God created this. God knows what he's doing. So when I make this comment, please keep in mind that I'm going back into the way a woman was created. But God made the wife to be guided primarily by her emotions and the man primarily by his logic. And when women let emotions lead the way, it becomes hard for them to be consistent. That's why God puts the two of you together so that she can enhance your emotions and you can enhance her uh, uh, consistency. But in order for you to lead her in consistency, you yourself must be consistent. Let's mesh two concepts together here tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 2 says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And then 1 Corinthians 7, 4 says, The wife hath no power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Now, let me just say this here, is that God has given you your wife for you to steward her. You are to steward her. Ladies, that body that you have belongs to your husband. Every inch of it. Men, that body that you have belongs to your wife. Every inch of it. That means you are to turn over total control and you are to trust them with it. Now, men, that doesn't mean that you get to exploit and you get to, 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 to run hog wild. No, you look at that, that precious wife that God has given you and you say, I am going to protect and I'm going to love and I'm going to guide and I'm going to carefully, uh, 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 consistently steward what God has entrusted to me. Not so that I can take advantage and be selfish. No, I'm going to do so in a selfless, loving, and giving way. Many uh, many couples, in fact, I know a couple uh, from a previous ministry, and I'll, I'll stay generic with this, but the, the, uh, the, their marriage was eroding, and uh, the husband came down with a, uh, a disease, not life-ending, uh, but life-altering disease. And the wife looked at him and said, I just don't love you anymore. And she walked away. She walked away. He was getting ready to go into one of the most major surgeries of his life. And she just turned around and walked out the door. Why? Because she wasn't getting from the marriage what she wanted. The day might come, sir, where God takes your wife and puts her in a wheelchair or makes her a vegetable. Paraplegic. If you are looking at your wife as a mode of selfishness for you, it's going to be very hard for you to take care of her in that time. 
But if your attitude is, God has given my wife to me for me to steward, oh my, if something happens to her, you're right there to take care of her. And tonight, as I preach this sermon, there are people in this room who are going through exactly what I'm talking about, and they represent that so well. Let me say tonight that you are to, uh, you are to be that rock of stability where you are stewarding and guiding and loving and carefully taking care of your wife. Letter D, notice, he is to saturate her in prayer. Turn over to uh, uh, James chapter 5 in your Bibles. James chapter 5, let's look at verse 16 there. And this verse isn't directly talking about marriage. I, mean, I want to make sure anytime I take, use a verse that uh, might, uh, might not be directly in, uh, in line with or the direct interpretation of the passage that I'm careful to give that. This would be an application of this verse, not an interpretation of it. But James chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says there, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, the interpretation here is talking about brothers in Christ inside the the confines of the church uh, within Christians. But let me say this, is that uh, you are not only your spouse's husband or wife. If they're saved, you are their brother and sister in Christ. You are to be each other's best friend. I knew a man in the past... He kept saying, accountability, accountability. We need more accountability amongst the men in our church. And our pastor looked at that man and he said, uh, the first person you need to be accountable to is your wife. She needs to know everything you look at on your phone. She needs to know every place you're going. She needs to know every, uh, every uh, conversation that you have. She needs to know how your money's spent. And sir, I would tell you tonight is that you need to be accountable to your wife and you need to make sure you're best friends with your wife and what do you do? You get together and you pray for each other. Here's the beautiful thing. No one knows my weaknesses better than that gal sitting right back there. And nobody knows her weaknesses better than I do. And she doesn't have very many of them. And I'm not just trying to flatter her. She really doesn't. It's my job to pray for her and her weaknesses. It's my job to step in and help her in those areas. It's her job to step in and to help me. And as her husband, it's my place to take her to the throne of God and saturate her in prayer. Let me ask you men tonight, how often do you pray for your wife? It ought to be every day. It ought to be on a regular basis. Is your wife's name at the top of your prayer list? Ladies, you can make the application the other way, but is your wife's name at the top of your prayer list? Are you begging God to help grow your wife in Christ? We looked at Ephesians 5 a few minutes ago. We're going to look at it in a more just here in a minute. But uh, the Bible tells us that you are to love her the way Christ loved the church and you're to present her uh, clean and sanctified with the washing of water by the Word. How do you do that? You bathe her in prayer. Now, ladies... Tonight, I would say that if your husband is leading you in this way, boy, being married would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it be? Um, This attitude of, I don't know men to lead me, I'll lead. No, if you have a man doing these things for you, then leadership becomes a lot of fun to be under. Notice number two. He is not only to be the leader of his wife, which is point one. Number two, he's to be the lover, the lover of his wife. Look at verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 5 with me. It says there, Husbands, love 
your wives, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. I love verse 29. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You know what you do, guys, when you're hungry? You eat. And you generally eat what you want to eat, right? Now, you got to learn how to tell yourself no at times. But you eat what you want to eat, and you eat what you, uh, you eat when you want to eat. And you know what? If uh, there is a particular show you're wanting to watch, you sit down and you turn it on. You know what you're doing? You're cherishing your flesh. You're cherishing your flesh. You are to cherish your wife more than you cherish yourself. You're to love her. Now, I, I, uh, I think I've shared this in here before some time ago, but it's, it, it just fits here, so I'm going to share it again. Uh, so uh, pastors repeat themselves, and the congregation just has to put up with it. Amen? Uh, but um, uh, several years ago, I was counseling a couple who was struggling along in their marriage. They came in and they were just at each other's throats. It's funny, when I sit down with a couple who's madly in love and they're getting ready to get married, you go over premarital counseling concepts and it goes really quick because to them it's all theory. But then you go over those same concepts with a couple who's at each other's throats who's been married for three, four, five, ten years, and they, they're just, they're just, their marriage is falling apart. It takes hours to go over those same concepts. You tell a uh, couple that's uh, madly in love with each other and getting ready to get married, you say, uh, you've got to love her, sir, the way that, uh, that uh, Christ loved the church. Uh, oh, yeah, no problem. And then you tell the young lady, you've got to submit to him the way you submit to the Lord. Oh, no problem. Uh, but then you get a couple in there that's at each other's throats. You mean i got to submit to that jerk? I remember I was counseling this couple and I, and I, was, uh, I, I gave the man you know, what he needed to do in loving his wife. And I turned to the lady and I said, Ma'am, you've got to submit to your husband. Even if you don't want to, you've got to submit to him. She interrupted me and she said, You mean I've got to submit to him and all he has to do is love me? And I looked at her and I said, Ma'am, loving you is a lot harder than you think. Me and the husband got a good laugh out of that. Amen? Uh, no, but uh, she had a good time with that. Uh, men, loving your wife, that, that's a big job. It's the most important job that God has given you to do on this planet. I want you to be successful at work. But I want you to be more successful in your marriage at home. I want you to be successful here at the church. Some of you are uh, help in the church leadership. Deacons, Sunday school teachers... Uh, you help in other ministries. Listen, I, I want you to be a great success here at church. But I want you to be a better husband at home. How do you do that? You've got to learn to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Letter A, notice, an unadulterated love. An un, unadulterated love. Look, uh, let me just, uh, look, you look down at verse 25. Before we do that, I'm going to read Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday... And today and forever. Sir, you have been commanded to love your wife the way Christ loves the church. Now let that sink in for a minute. That's a tall order. That's a tall order. 
Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave Himself for it. God never uses our unfaithfulness as an opportunity to be unfaithful in His relationship to, uh, with us. God, God's love is always true and pure, no matter how often we run to the world and cheat on it for our own self-gratification. Listen up, uh, I think we're all adults in here tonight, so sit up and listen to this. Uh, uh, men, there are going to be times in your marriage where romance just isn't there for one reason or another. Maybe your wife is sick for a long period of time. Uh, maybe uh, you've had a big fight. She just doesn't want you to touch her. Um, maybe you're on a long trip and the accommodations are, are, are not uh, uh, good for romance. Maybe there's pregnancy involved. But whatever the reason is, that is never an excuse for you to run uh, to the Internet for satisfaction. It's never your excuse to run to another woman for your satisfaction. No, you are to have a love that is pure and holy and perfect. You're to have a romance that is only geared toward her. Running to pay-per-view channels on the TV, and let me just say right now, and I say this unabashedly, I say it unashamedly, if you've got HBO, if you've got Cinemax, if you've got Showtime, you need to go home tonight and you need to cancel those channels out of your house. They have no right being in the home of a Christian. Pay-per-view channels that allow women to run around on those channels with no clothing on at late night hours, they don't belong on a Christian's TV. You need to cancel them. You need to take away any opportunity you have to do wrong. Now, some of you here tonight, you might not run to a uh, to uh, to a pay-per-view channel. You may not run to uh, full-blown pornography. You may not run to another woman. But how about that magazine rack at the grocery store? You're not even to look at that. Some of you here tonight might have a gym membership. You're not to check out the girls at the gym. I'm just getting down really practical tonight. Your wife needs your full, unadulterated love to be honest and true to her and to her only, regardless of whether or not she's holding up her end of the bargain in your mind. Your wife finds great security in the fact that she is the only person that you look to in order to have your sexual desires fulfilled. Your wife wants to know she is it. She is it, an unadulterated love. Let her be noticed an unblemished love, an unblemished love. And I have written down in parentheses here in my notes uh, next to that. It is selfless. Look at verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This kind of love is just not very well understood in our culture. But this is a love that says, I'm going to love you. And my love for you is not so I can get something back in return. You know, early on in my marriage, this was something I had to learn. Because uh, I would find myself doing nice, sweet things for Angela so that I could get something back from her in return. Whether it was a kind word of respect uh, or whatever. Uh, My motives were selfish And I've had to grow, and I'm still growing. There's no perfect marriage, so don't let anyone uh, deceive you into that. 
But what I am, uh, what I have grown to learn in almost 10 years of marriage now is this is that my marriage gets really, really good when I just continue to love her without expecting anything back in return. And men, you've got to get to a place where it's totally 100% selfless. Selfless. If you're struggling with that, I would recommend you go back uh, on our church webpage and you listen to the four sermons I preached about how what love really is out of 1 Corinthians 13. I preached those, those sermons on a Sunday night. You could probably even order them and listen to them on a cycle if it's something that you're struggling with. Letter C, notice this, unlimited love. Can we go over to Romans chapter 8 in our Bibles? Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Some of the most poetic verses... Some of the some of the, the most beautiful sounding verses to the ear are found here in the end of Romans chapter eight. Look at verse thirty five. And keep in mind while we're reading this that husband, you are to love your wife the way this passage describes Christ loving the church. It says this Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Skip down to verse thirty seven. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter how far away we run from God, there is no distance that can separate us from His love. You may fall out of love with God, but God never ever falls out of love with you. If the day ever comes, sir, where you wake up and you find that you and your wife are lost from each other emotionally, sir, you better do everything you can to hunt her down and find her. Do everything you can to win back her heart. and Do everything you can to love her. Let me ask you you a question tonight. Has God remained faithful to you? Does He still love you? Does God want a divorce from your salvation? There are times when when a woman will, will, will be unfaithful to her husband romantically. And if you're here tonight and that's happened to you and you're divorced, then what's, what's done has been done. Don't go back and live in the past. And this, the, what I'm about to say is not meant to conjure up old feelings and to make you feel bad. But to the men that are here tonight who are still married and are married, my hope and my goal is to make your marriage stronger. When this occurs, as it may, do not put a limit on the love that you have for your wife. Look to Christ as the example. It's natural to feel all kinds of emotions. But make it your goal in the end to be the restorer of your relationship just like Christ restores you time and time and time again when we run to the world and we cheat on Him. An unlimited love. An unlimited love. I know preaching like that uh, isn't popular in today's day and time. Let me just say this uh, on that and then uh, we'll we'll get ready to wrap it up here in a minute. I'll give you the two concluding thoughts there on the bottom of your, your bulletin there. Um... I do believe God has made a provision for divorce in the Bible. But where it's there, it is still not God's perfect will. It is His permissible will at times 
in certain situations. But it is never, ever really what He wants. You say, what does God want? Well, Genesis tells us that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two of them should be one flesh. And then the Bible tells us in the New Testament through the words of Christ, what God hath put together, let no man, let no man put asunder. He told, uh, he told the Pharisees that the only reason why a writing for divorce was ever given was because of the hardening of the heart. The hardening of the heart. Now, there are times where it is permissible for a couple to get a divorce. But, sir, let me just say this to you. You ought to do everything you can to fight and claw and scratch to get your wife back and to, and to, and to, and to love her. Regardless of what's happened. Loving your wife God's way will always lead to two things. Notice this in your, in your notes there. Number one, cleansing. Cleansing. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Speaking of the church, and again the church is parallel to the wife here. Cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. How do you purify your relationship? Now, uh, there will be people who will listen to this sermon Online, I don't think anyone sitting out here tonight really needs what I'm about to say, although you never know. But I believe that this will be shared with people who will listen to this online, or maybe this will be purchased and given to others. And so, if you're listening to my voice right now, and you're struggling hard in your marriage, and sir, you're trying to do everything you can that's right, the Bible says this, that the answer is the washing of water by the Word. How do you get your wife to a spiritual place where she ought to be? You're stable, you're consistent, you're loving, you're leading, and you're cleansing with the water of the Word. That's how you do it. God's Word has the ability to cleanse hearts. We've got to make sure that hearts are being cleansed by the washing of the water by the Word. What am I trying to do as your pastor? Can I, can I draw a parallel here? Can I, can I use the same parallel the Bible does? The parallel is... Christ and the church, the husband and the wife. God has called me to be your pastor here at this church, and I stand in His place, and I open up the Bible, and I preach it. Unfortunately, I'm not a perfect example of Him because I'm a flawed sinner. But what is it that is my goal when I get up and preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? It is to take this book right here, and it is to wash the church, wash the sin off the church. I have this hard conviction in my preaching and in my pulpit time that the more Bible that I can put out there and I can use and I can teach, the cleaner the body of White Oak Baptist Church will be. The same thing applies in your marriage. Sir, does your wife catch you reading your Bible? Does your wife catch you in prayer praying for her? Does your wife catch you wanting to share Bible verses with her? Sir, do you text Bible verses to your wife throughout the week? Uh, 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 encouraging her and loving her? Does she catch you uh, uh, using the Word of God in creative ways? Listen, you can get the Bible verses and you can put them on the wall in your house like Deuteronomy teaches us. But I'm talking about a cleansing. Notice the second concluding thought there is consecrating. Consecrating. Look at verse 26. That He might... Everybody read that next word out loud with me. Sanctify. Sanctify or consecrate. The idea there is that it's Set apart for a sacred cause. Set apart for a sacred cause. Sir, there, well, let me just say this. There are marriages where the wife outshines the husband spiritually. And that's sad. That's sad. The Bible says that you're to be the leader of your wife, even in spiritual areas. 
as you lead her along, as you lead her along, you will help sanctify her. Sanctify or consecrate. Tonight, the the sermon is simple. Lead your wife and love your wife. But that doesn't mean be a dictator and it doesn't mean be a jerk. If you're setting the precedent, if you're, um, uh, uh, what were the other ones we were setting the precedent, if you're speaking praise, if you're symbolizing uh, predictability, if you're um, uh, saturating her in prayer, if you're loving her with an unadulterated love, if you're loving her with an unblemished love, if you're loving her with an unlimited love, boy, once you get all those things down, you'll be one awesome husband. And any woman in the world would want you. So let's go out and let's do these things and let's show our wives what it's like to be loved the way that God loves them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, uh, tonight uh, I, I bring uh, uh, in prayer the marriages of this church.